Hello and happy Monday to you. Welcome to Mavs Playing, where every single day of the week we are breaking down a question, event, news, or trend. My name is Bobby Corello. Joining me today, now that he's uh, sobered up, celebrating Luca's second anniversary and also Father's Day. I guess Luca's all of our sons, but he has an actual family of his own. It's Isaac Harris. What's up, Isaac? What's up, Bobby? I'm actually gonna. Can I take the this like 10 seconds to plug a Mavs.com story? Yes, I would love for you to do that. All right, 10 seconds here. Since today is the day after Father's Day, please go back. My favorite thing I, I wrote this past year uh, was a story with all the girl dads on the Mavericks, and I talked to JJ and Dorian and all the girl dads on the team. I wrote it earlier this year, and I think January is before quarantine. BQ. <laughs> And uh, so anyway, go find it. I, I really enjoyed it. I was super thankful for all those guys opening up on how to be a dad. That was before my daughter was born. And it was giving me all these tips uh, on how to be a girl dad. So anyway, if you haven't uh, read that, go back and read it. Dude, it was a great story. I'm very happy that you uh, that you plugged that. So definitely check it out. I can't believe, by the way, that that was only in January because it really does feel I mean, not even on like the uh, this quarantine has lasted forever bit, but like it genuinely feels like a very, very long time ago. Like yeah, it almost no. feels like it was last season. You know? I know. It's like, I don't know when. Yeah. I don't want to go down the, the dark time. I'm like, I don't know when I'll be back in the arena again. Like, I don't, yeah, at all that. Honestly, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, when will I see your face again, Bobby, in person? I think that you're perfectly fine limiting our interactions to, uh, to Microsoft Teams. I, I don't think you're chomping at the bit to hang out with me, but uh, you know where I live, so you can come hang out with me anytime you want. Uh, so today, Isaac and I are unfortunately not going to be at the American Airlines Center talking about basketball, but we are going to talk about at least the speculation surrounding the teams the Mavs will play if the NBA's plan to start on July 30th or July 31st, depends on which tweet you're looking at. Uh, follows through and everything is, you know, okay and, and, you know, gravy and all that sweet stuff. So basically the rumor, uh, you know, it's not a rumor. The teams are going to play eight games. But the rumor is that the eight games that teams are going to play whenever they get to Orlando will be determined by your eight next opponents on your schedule who are going to also be in Orlando. And so every team has between – 18 and 15 basically games left. I think there might be one team that only played uh, 63 games, but for the most part, every team has played at least 64 games. The Mavs have played 67, and that's led to all this like weird sort of contentious uh, dialogue between Mavs fans and other teams because you say, wait a minute, you know, the Mavs have as many wins as Houston, uh, for example, and OKC, but because they've played three more games and they've lost all three of those games, you know, it's it messes up the math when it comes to uh, seeding. So the NBA's resolution is every team goes down there, plays eight games, and then we seed from there. And so uh, just so happens, Isaac, that the Mavs' next opponent, uh, next eight opponents on their schedule as it stands now are all going to be in Orlando. And they are, in order, Phoenix, the Clippers, the Kings, the Blazers, Phoenix again, Houston, Utah, and Milwaukee. And now... It could change. Uh, there's, I've heard tell that all nine East teams could just play each other once, and that's eight games for them, and then the West just play each other. So it's kind of like a mini playoff preceding the actual playoff. 
And in that case, you might see Dallas play somebody like Memphis because that's their next Orlando opponent anyway. Uh, as it stands now, they only have one game against an East team. Uh, but also, fortunately speaking, uh, relatively, you know, it, it, for most teams, I'll put it this way, for most teams playing Phoenix, who no disrespect to the Suns, but they have the worst record uh, of any team, save the Wizards, that's invited to Orlando. Uh, getting to play the worst team in your conference two times in eight games would normally be an advantage, but anybody who's watched any Mavs basketball basically since the beginning of time knows that Phoenix is like arch nemesis, uh, like, you know, Alec Peters goes off. Alec like, Peters. literally, if you're wearing a Suns jersey, then you are going to channel your inner Hall of Famer that night. And so uh, the objective of today's podcast is to kind of go game by game uh, based off a rumor, speculation, so this will obviously not – any none of this will be true in about a month, but Isaac and I are going to do it anyway and just kind of talk about the Mavs' opponents and, uh, you know, how how seeding could be determined based on these games. And so, I, I, Isaac, I guess off the top, um, you know, we know the standings. The Mavs are in seventh place in the West. They're a game and a half behind OKC and Houston, again, tied in the win column, but three back in the loss column. Uh, and then they're two and a half games behind Utah – in fourth place, uh, and then four games behind Denver. And of course, they're seven games ahead of Memphis. And so really, the, the furthest they could climb is fourth. And unless literally the bottom falls out on the Mavs and the Grizzlies win all eight games, they're not going to fall any lower than seventh place. Uh, so it's really looking at Utah, OKC, and Houston. They do play games against two of those teams, which is going to be big. But anyway, I, I guess going into this thing, kind of what are you thinking about the schedule? What are you thinking about their position in the standings? Uh, some of the teams that they're, that they're competing with, I guess, like slowly let let's kind of like get back into basketball mode slowly before we get into these games. Yeah, I think first off, I'm super glad that they're giving teams above the playoff bubble a chance of kind of reseeding. That was one of my worries when uh, stuff started trickling out was it was all about the bubble teams. And it's like, all right, we're going to have these play in tournaments and it's going to be playing for the A seed in Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento and all these teams. And I'm sitting back, obviously, as a biased Mavs fan, and I'm like, well, this isn't fair. We're giving the chance to the Spurs, who have 27 wins. We're giving them the chance to move up to to eight in a possible playing tournament type of thing. Why are we not giving somebody like the Mavericks, who are a game and a half back from fifth, the chance to move up two? Like, so that was when that stuff started coming out. I was really, I'm like, all right, well, this is kind of unfair for giving teams the chance to move up, but not some of these other you know, already kind of not already locked in playoff team. So I'm happy that they're got, they're getting those eight games. I think it was the, uh, the athletic uh, Shams was tweeting out about how they're going to have three scrimmage games before these, you know, regular season games. So that was one of my worries too, about the regular season. I'm like, all right, is this Phoenix game going to be the very first time we see the Mavericks on the court playing basketball and how will this will this be like preseason basketball? Will this be like that sloppy? Will people be playing all the time? So having the three scrimmage games at least allows them a little bit to get some run in. And, you know, so I fully expect this Suns game to be everybody playing, you know, assuming everyone's there and everything like that. So I think going into the Suns, Suns game, you said no disrespect. Hey, I'll disrespect the team that passed on Luka Doncic. So, uh, there you go. Okay. All right. I mean, we, can, we, mean, agree. we agree. We <laughs> agree. Um, but, you know, you're looking at a Phoenix team. It does feel like Devin Booker just torches the Mavericks every single time uh, that, he, that he plays them. But they are missing Kelly Oubre Jr., who, who won't be in, in Orlando uh, for an injury and stuff. But 
I think if you if you got the chance, and any fan out there, and you're like, hey, if you got to pick the Western Conference opponent for the Mavericks to play their first game against in Orlando, who would it be? I feel like a lot of us would pick Phoenix, right? I don't know, man. I mean, again, you know, one of the one of the low points of this season was I, I think it was like right at the end of January. KP had just come back from injury. Phoenix came into Dallas and just about blew the doors off the Mavs, beat them by like, I mean, they were up by like 30 or 40 in the second half of that game. It was so uncompetitive. And uh, Lucas sprained his ankle right after that and missed, you know, a week or two or whatever. That was a low point. I mean, it's it really seems like every time Dallas plays Phoenix, it's a tough game. And so, you know, but then again, you look around Phoenix's competition in the standings right now. The next team up, San Antonio. Well, I mean, Dallas beat San Antonio a few times this year, but all of those games were close. And right before the hiatus, San Antonio beat Dallas. You want to play New Orleans with Zion? Do you want to play the Blazers with Dame? Do you want to play Memphis, another team that beat the Mavs uh, pretty badly in Dallas at one point this season? And then you get to the teams above them in the standings, and I know you don't want to play any of those guys if you don't have to. And so really all of these teams are tough. Even Sacramento. Sacramento is the one team I didn't mention. Sacramento beat Dallas in Dallas this season. So, um, you know, the West is very deep, I think, is what what we're figuring out. But, yeah, I mean, if, if you had your choice of who to play twice and who to play first, it would probably be – the number 13 seed in your own conference. Now I will say just to kind of paint the picture before we get into these specific games and like their implications on, on the standings and everything um, the Mavs do have four games. If again, this whole caveat, if these are the eight games that they're going to play, four of them are against teams that are currently not in the top eight in the West. And so um, if you're a fan and you're thinking like, well, okay, what would be, you know, the, the, that team's is like motivation to play those games because technically they might not even be alive for a playoff spot. Well, all four of those games are within the first five that the Mavs will play. And that isn't that might not necessarily be true for the other teams. Like it could be their fourth or their sixth even. Um, but anyway, those teams, Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, San Antonio, and Phoenix, who are going to be in Orlando and currently outside of the top eight, they have to be within four games of Memphis in the standings in order to be eligible for that play in game or tournament, I guess it depends on how many teams are alive. Statistically, it's probably very unlikely that more than one would be. Um, but anyway, Phoenix right now is six games back of Memphis. And so really all of these games are kind of like do or die uh, level of kind of necessity to get a win. And now it's very difficult to just like manufacture that level of intensity right out of the gates, like you would in the first game, if that's who their first opponent will be. But those are the stakes that Phoenix, Sacramento, Portland will be facing early on in this tournament. And now as it gets later on, maybe they're already eliminated, so they won't be you know, maybe playing their stars or something. But by the time it gets later on in the schedule, the Mavs aren't playing those teams. They're playing teams that are already in the playoffs. And so there's a whole different level of intensity to those games. So just keep that in mind as we get into it. But, uh, but yeah, that's Phoenix. And you got to play Phoenix twice. And uh, that means Devin Booker twice. And in a game – where there's no home team, there's no road team, there's no fans. Literally all it is is just players. Devin Booker is the kind of guy that can go nuclear and drop 50 on you, and that's the sort of thing that can really kind of, like, spoil your season, you know? Yeah, yeah, and especially that first game because you are talking about, how, you know, these teams like Phoenix and these bubble teams having to be within four games to ha even have a chance at his play-in tournament. And 
But if you look at a team like Phoenix, this has one, been one of the pushbacks of the NBA having uh, a team like Phoenix or Washington in the you know coming to you know, Orlando. If if Phoenix starts off their eight games and they lose the first two games, they're almost virtually out of it. So what do they do for the next six games of this regular season thing? So I think it's an added you know thing for the Mavericks to beat Phoenix that first game. I don't know who Phoenix plays in game two of the if this schedule does happen. But if they start off 0 for 2, Dallas beats them, the next opponent beats them. I mean, will we see somebody like Devin Booker or DeAndre? Will we see some of their, you know, their stars just kind of set it out at that point? Because then it's like, hey, we don't want to play the risk factor. And then you're looking at that, what, the fifth game uh, on the schedule for the Mavericks? Then you could be looking at a, a Suns team that's already mathematically out of it. And it could be an easier win at that point. So I think it, that's another thing that you have to – I'm already – a person who I kind of dislike like schedule previews type thing before the season. Cause I think it's so hard to predict like, you know, us sitting back in October and we're looking at a game in March and we're like that chalk that up for a win. All right. <laughs> yeah. Then Sacramento's coming in, you know, March 12th. That's, you know, that's a win too. It's because there's so much stuff that we can't predict. And I think now more than ever, it's so hard to predict because one at the moment we're recording this, we still don't know exactly what, rosters are going to Orlando as far as what players might not be going to Orlando and choosing you know choosing not to go and will there be a big name that does not go to Orlando that opts to you know not go that shifts everything and that changes everything how you look at the schedule so we don't know that we don't know how injuries will take place so I just think it now more than ever it's so hard to predict exactly what will happen but that Suns first game for them, I think will be huge for them to, to beat them with the chance of that fifth game against the Suns. Uh, hopefully they are, they're kind of out of it at that point. Yeah. Well, and every game is going to matter for the Mavs, no matter who their opponents are, because the second name on the list, again, if this is the list is the Clippers. And that's kind of like the, the big dog in the West. It's going to be them or the Lakers. I think everybody has thought that all season I've maintained since the summer, the Clippers are the best team in the West, maybe even the best team in the NBA. Obviously, Milwaukee is incredible, too. But, you know, if you're Dallas and you end up facing the Clippers in the first round, it's not like you can just be like, well, let's pack up and go home. I mean, you got to play. And the Mavs have given the Clippers uh, one really good game whenever everybody was healthy and everything. That game in January, it was a, it was a classic. But, um, I mean, you'd like to move up in the standings so that you don't have to play L.A. I think that's that's pretty fair to say. And so – Games against Phoenix, Sacramento, these teams that are beneath you in the standings, those are important to win. And of course, the next game against the Clippers, you want to talk about what ifs and, you know, you can't you can't know who's going to play and who's not going to play. I mean, the Clippers are kind of like the the, the butt end of all of those jokes and memes this season because of Kawhi and Paul George. I um, think it's safe to say that in an Orlando environment, obviously, uh, where every game matters, there aren't many games, there probably won't be any back to backs at all. It's unlikely that like the load management stuff will come into play. We don't know that for sure. Who even knows? Um, but we're just here. We're not here necessarily to preview those games as much as we are to just talk about how those teams match up because kind of it, this, this almost doubles as like a playoff sort of potential preview kind of situation. Maybe not so much with Phoenix, Sacramento, and Portland, but certainly with teams like the Clippers, the Rockets and the Jazz, because those are three teams that you have a very good chance of playing in the first round. And so just generally speaking, um, how do you think the Mavs stack up with the Clippers? Um, personally, me, I think without Dwight Powell, 
that's a big shot to the Mavs because Powell and, and Montrezl Harrell kind of match up really well with each other. They almost like cancel each other out because both of those guys are so good as role men. Neither yeah. of the other can really slow each other down. And so it's really just a matter of like which guy's having the better game um, is, is going to give you an edge. But without Powell, that kind of takes away a little bit of offensive firepower from Dallas. But still, man, with Kawhi and Paul George, I mean, the, the, the Clippers have a lot of talent. Lou Williams, obviously, Pat Bev. I mean, you know, they got they got defenders. They got scorers all over the floor. Uh, seemed like a really, really good team and a, a tough matchup for anybody, but especially Dallas with the young guy like Luka. Yeah, I mean, if I had a preference, uh, if I had to play the Clippers and I had a preference, I would prefer playing them, you know, game seven or eight, somewhere through there, uh, because, you know, we'll get to the Milwaukee game in game eight, but – there's a chance Milwaukee, I mean, they're six and a half games up right now for the top seed in the East. Do they just mail in that last game? But for the Clippers playing them the second game, you know, they're going to, they should be at full speed. I'm out. We don't think they're going to, uh, they're going to rest Kawhi or something or Paul George in game two. But if they're fully healthy, this is going to be one of the first games that every, I mean, I feel like every basketball fan is going to be watching as many of these games as possible. But if there's a, a must-watch game in one of these first two games, it's going to be the Clippers game because, yeah, like you said, that January game, it came down to that Tim Hardaway shot you know, on the, on the wing that he, that he missed. But it was in Dallas, and it was such a fun game. Was on, I think it was on national you know, television too, uh, that game. I think so. I could be wrong. But, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're getting Luka Doncic goes against two of the best perimeter you know, defenders in the league, and half the time it feels like they don't even guard Luka because Pat Beverly's on Luka. So, uh, anytime that they can play each other, it, it's going to be a really fun, fun game to watch. But I'm with you. I think the Clippers are the best team in the league. Yeah, yeah. And now, you know, what's at stake for the Clippers? Well, they're five and a half games uh, back of L.A. or the Lakers, I guess. Their Clippers are also from L.A. But they're only a game and a half up on Denver. And so, you know, in an eight-game environment, if Denver goes six and two and the Clippers go four and four, Denver could pass them. And so every game matters for the Clippers, especially early on until they can – you know, maybe clinch that number two seed because, you know, I, I guess in, in this situation though, really Isaac, I mean, who's the higher seed between two and three doesn't really matter because in the second round, there's going to be no home court advantage anyway. And so this could really be an unprecedented situation too. And this is purely speculation because the team that's like the Clippers, the higher seeded team kind of have the luxury of being able to like almost pick their first round matchup, right? Yeah. They could say, okay, Dallas is the number seven seed. Utah is the number six seed. Which team do we match up better with? Let's try and play them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's it's going to be kind of weird. I mean, ordinarily, you would definitely want the number two seed. So that way, if you advance and the number three seed advance, you have home court for games one and seven. But, I mean, that that kind of is like a wash at this point. No, and if you're the Clippers, I, I mean, I personally don't think the Clippers are worried about Denver. Uh, I think if I think if you're the Clippers, I think your big thing is avoiding the Lakers in round two. And so to avoid the slip to four in this scenario. So I, I like you said at home court, whether the Clippers play two or you know or finish two or three, they're probably you know they think they're probably gonna face Denver in round two either way. So I think their big thing right now is come out of these eight games but not have to play the Lakers in round two. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, okay, moving on in our uh, in our eight game carousel of speculation, uh, we got Sacramento. Now Sacramento, early in the season, this was like the beginning of December, came into Dallas and beat the Mavs. Um, after that, Dallas went to Sacramento, and uh, Luca had a 
a game for the ages. He had a, a 25, 15, 15 game, 17 assists. It was incredible. Uh, and then Sacramento came to Dallas in the last game before the All-Star break, which historically speaking is a game where you can just kind of throw it out. But that game was cool for us as uh, spectators, Mavs fans, whatever, because it was Lucas' first game back in that ankle injury. He had 33 points and eight assists. Porzingis was great, and Dallas won 130 to 111. And so the Mavs went two and one against the Kings. The one loss was the game where Luca got the uh, the no foul call on that shot to tie the game. Uh, but Sacramento was up like 25 points or something in the second half. Dallas made a heck of a comeback, uh, ultimately came up short. That's another team that, historically speaking, the last decade or so has really given the Mavs a lot of trouble. Um, you know, again, who knows who's going to play and who's not going to play. But generally speaking, guys like De'Aaron Fox give the Mavs a lot of trouble. Guys like Buddy Heald can get really hot and, uh, you know, can can swing a game. Um, so, uh, you know, how do you think – Harrison uh, Barnes. Harrison Barnes, well, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, HB can go give you 20, 25 points. Uh, Marvin Bagley, again, too, as super athletic big man. You know, Mavs, Mavs kind of struggle against those guys sometimes, too. Um, so, you know, how, how do you think those two teams match up? Uh, I would say, obviously, the Mavs are the better team. But uh, in a one-game situation, I mean, like, De'Aaron Fox is he's kind of scary. Yeah, the, the young teams, it's so hard. I mean, everything's so hard to predict. But the young teams, you wonder, like, does the break – does it matter to them as much? Will the young guys just come out and just hit the ground running? Uh, will it hurt? You know, will it take the the older vets a little bit of time to get in their groove a little bit? You know, will, will you face against a Sacramento team and they're just running and gunning to where a Clippers team with Kawhi, Paul George, and these, some of these guys, it's like taking them a little bit, you know, more time to get going. But Sacramento, uh, I'm looking at Harrison Barnes because I want to see if he's going to shave if they, you know, make, which I don't think they're going to – could they hit 500? I guess they'd if have they... to go eight. No, they'd have to go eight. Okay. No, but how about this? What if they just make the playoffs? They could be mm-hmm. under 500 to make the playoffs. Do you think he would shave it? I don't know. He could because you make he the could. playoffs, you technically get back to zero and zero, which is 500. And also, you're in the playoffs, which like that totally counts. Yeah, I think he would. But for but yeah, kind of going to the Phoenix um, conversation again, the same thing with Sacramento. You know, they're sitting at, what, two and a half games back from Memphis at this point. 19, 20. No, three and a half games back. Yeah, three three and a half games back from Memphis. This is, you know, the third game on Dallas' schedule. I'm pretty, it probably is the third game for for Sacramento on their schedule, maybe. But let's just say, same thing with Phoenix. Let's say they start off the first two games and lose their first two games, Sacramento. And, I mean, then they're, I mean, that's a hole that they have to try to dig out of. Could they already be kind of mathematically eliminated? I don't know. I don't think so. But could it play into this game? We never know. But Sacramento is is a team that does scare me a little bit because, like you said, you when you have a, a guys like Buddy Hield, uh, Bogdan, you know those guys can get hot. De'Aaron Fox is so dang fast and uh, super fun to watch. I don't know. I don't know about Marvin Bagley's health status. I, I'm assuming he'll be good to go uh, for Orlando, but. They they have some yo- some young young pieces and um you know it's still baffling that the that the Kings took Bagley over Luca so as we celebrate the two year Luca anniversary we're just uh, this podcast is just an excuse to throw shade at every team that passed on him um, Atlanta will be watching closely as well these eight games I'm sure uh, up next before the uh, potential replay with Phoenix you have a game against Dame Lillard and the Blazers. And now Lillard was kind of the guy who came out and said, look, 
if we're invited to Orlando, but we don't really have like a reasonable chance to make the playoffs, I'm not going to play at all. So I feel like him coming out and saying that might not have impacted the final plan. That might have been the final plan all along anyway. But I think I feel like it certainly put pressure on the NBA to create a competitive system, which would at least give the Blazers a realistic shot. And how realistic are we talking here? Well, right now, Portland is three and a half games back in Memphis. And so based on the way that the league set up the plan, Portland just has to win as many games as Memphis in Orlando to have a shot to make the playoffs, which may or may not be fair, no matter where you stand, that's, that's the rules. And so if Memphis goes four and four, Portland has to just go four and four. And so these games all do matter for the Blazers and for the Kings as well, but it's not as much of like a must win situation as it would be for a team like Phoenix, which is currently outside of that four game zone, but either way, and I'm pretty sure it's four games and, and not three games. It might be three games. And if it is, then you and I are a bunch of idiots, but I'm not going to Google it now because we've come this far, Isaac, yes. we've come this far. But this season, the Mavs and Blazers played three times. Uh, the first time was game three of the season. It was a very close game. That was uh, the foul slash rebound slash whatever replay gate game where all of us learned how you can or can't challenge a call and what all goes into the review of that uh, call, which was very obnoxious and honestly turned me off from challenges right out of the gate. So good job there. Um, and then uh, the other two games where Mavs wins, one was in Dallas where Luka hit a couple clutch shots late. I think that was his career high for threes made. He hit like six or eight of them. And then uh, a few days later, Dallas went to Portland and hit like 15 threes in the first half or just something out of control. They were on fire. Uh, Luka hit some, everybody hit some, and uh, Dallas won that game going away. I think that was a TNT game. They won it by like 15 or 20. And so uh, two pretty cozy Mavs wins and one uh, pretty tough Mavs loss right out of the gate. But either way, dude, Lillard, McCollum, you know, I, I don't know what Nurkic's situation is like. I know he was going to hope to come back at some point. Zach Collins is apparently going to try and play, uh, and he missed almost the entire season. He was hurt in that Mavs game, the, the third game of the season way back in October, and has not played since then. And so if he comes back, that's a little bit of a boost. Uh, if Nurkic comes back, that would be a huge boost. Now, I don't know if he is or not, obviously, but – um, you know, they still have talent. They got guys like Mello, you know, I mean, they, they have players um, who can, you know, in a, in a playoff kind of situation, they have the experience too. And so that's kind of a team that's like, eh, you know, their record isn't very good, but they got a lot of players. Yeah. This is a team that scares me. Uh, I get, I get scared every time we play at Portland uh, just because, and however, yeah, I mean, you have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. So, I mean, it's literally one of the best backcourts in the league. They can get buckets all day every day and in a scenario in orlando that you know a lot of us are trying to predict what will basketball look like down there will you know will there be less plays will think you know everything be thrown off whatever will there be more isolation stuff will, will we see stars just kind of just take it on their own and say hey just let me do this uh if it if it turns into that type of basketball then this that that suits damian lillard right there so uh, anytime you're going against Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, that duo, and like you said, looking at Nurkic and, and Collins and those guys, if they're if they're there too, uh, they might be my pick to come out of or to come out of the bubble thing and to be the eighth seed. Um, I know if I'm Memphis, I don't want to have a playing you know thing with Portland. Yeah, well, now um, on the one hand, they do have some great players, but on the other hand. This is a team, Portland, just like Denver, but, you know, very much Portland even this season where the difference between home performance and road performance is stark, man. Last year, Portland went to uh, the conference finals 
they went 32 and nine at home and 21 and 20 away. And uh, this season, of course, they're, you know, not in the playoffs right now, but they still have a winning record at home. They're 18 and 14, just 11 and 23 on the road. And so you wonder, you know, someone like Dame, dude, whenever he gets going in that building, it gets loud, loud, loud. It's intense, uh, tough to focus, tough to concentrate uh, very far away. West Coast, it's a tough place to go and play as a visiting team. And so for Portland to travel probably the furthest of any NBA team, be the furthest away from home uh, with no fans behind them, it's going to be interesting to see how teams like uh, the Blazers and the Nuggets perform away from home when they don't have kind of the built-in advantages that come with playing in front of your own fans. Um, But still, dude, if Dame gets going from the logo, that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of elements of his game that could – uh, suffer just like any NBA player that could suffer from not playing basketball for a few months. Dame is super quick. He's incredible around the rim and all, all of that touch rhythm, athleticism, burst, those things can kind of become a little rusty, you know, but your 40 foot jump shot is just a flick of the wrist. You know, there's not a lot of like physical exertion that goes into that. It's literally just pulling up and shooting and he does it better than anybody. And if he makes four or five of those, then it's game over. I mean, because he's just impossible to guard. So, yeah. um, he he is a he's a scary player, man, and and he's one of the few. There's there's always players throughout the course of history or whatever who, when they get going, it's like a oh crap kind yeah. of thing. Or if you like the player, then it's like oh my god, like league pass alert, turn it on. Like when Steph gets going, when Dame gets going, Clay Thompson, you know Dirk, like their guy Kobe, of course, is like the king of that. When they're on, it's like dude you don't stand a chance. Like yeah. you just, you're not even on the floor. It's, it's one on zero. And Dame is one of those guys. Um, okay. And then next up after that, it would be Phoenix again. Uh, now would the league make them make the Mavs, make the Suns, make any team play another team two times while you're down there. I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine. Um, there are a few teams beyond these eight that the Mavs uh, will still need to play or like would have still played had the schedule resumed. That includes Memphis, Brooklyn, Houston, again, Denver, and OKC. And so if whatever, if the league is like, yeah, we don't want replays, then maybe this Phoenix game gets swapped out for one of those games. Uh, But I say bring it on. Let the Mavs play all the teams with losing records. Uh, And let's just, uh, you know, to even it out. You know what I mean? Um, Next up after Phoenix is Houston. Uh, Houston, the team the Mavs have only played two times this season, uh, both times in Houston. One near the very beginning of the year, like before Thanksgiving, uh, Dallas was, I, I don't know, maybe maybe like 10 and 6 or something. It was really early in the season. Uh, but Dallas hung, I want to say, 140 on Houston. It was an incredible game. Uh, let's see the final score to that game, 137 to 123 to improve Dallas to 11 and 5. Lucas scored 40. AP had a couple deep shots. I think he had like five blocks in that game too. It was incredible. They were just on fire. Um, and they doubled Harden all game. That was before Harden and Westbrook really got it going. And uh, they just kind of puzzled the Rockets. Then uh, end of January, early February, Dallas went down to Houston, played them with no Luka. Um, that might have even been the second night of a back-to-back. That's probably not true. It definitely was not true. It was not the second night of a back-to-back. I'm an idiot. It was the first night of a back-to-back. God, Bobby. Houston was up by like 20 the entire game. They shot like 60% on threes. It was ridiculous. Um, then in the fourth quarter, Houston finally missed a few threes. Dallas got hot. I think even tied the game or might have come in within one, um, uh, like one one shot, you know, two or three points. And then Houston closed it out. 
uh, and it was a, it was a really good game. Russell Westbrook was awesome that night, if I remember correctly. So uh, two pretty entertaining games, uh, two very high scoring games, two games where Dallas committed to double teaming James Harden very aggressively the entire game. Uh, one, they were successful. The other, they were not. So, um, you know, we'll see. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Houston did the, the full-time conversion to small ball. Um, I, don't, I don't know how that translates to Orlando, but just generally on paper, Isaac, I mean, how do you think? It's, it's tough to tell because the first meeting, uh, Capella was still on the Rockets. They were playing like, you know, traditional basketball, relatively speaking. Second time, they were playing small ball, but there was no Luka. So it's tough to draw too much. Uh, so this is just projection. I mean, what, what, do you, what do you think about the way these teams match up? Yeah, if you have that box score for the second game, tell me what KP had in that second game. Because if I remember, he had, he had a pretty decent game. Yeah, he had a huge game. Um, let me see. He had 35 points and 12 rebounds. Um, and his 35 points, 12 for 20 shooting, 10 of 13 on free throws. Uh, he also had four turnovers. I think they started double teaming him a lot, too. He got called for, like, a charge or something, too. Um, so yeah, that's, so a, he had 35. that's who I'm looking at in that game because, you know, obviously when you have a team like like Houston or any, any team in the league saying, hey, I'm going to go small – then how can you take advantage of that? And if you have somebody like a KP, you know, typically when a team goes small like that, they go small against somebody like Gobert. And it's like, all right, well, dang, Gobert, I don't know. Can he can he stretch out? Can he stay can he stay on the floor? Well, KP can stay on the floor because KP can move and KP can shoot. So but he's also seven three. So that that's the thing. If they're gonna put a six, 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 seven PJ Tucker on you know Porzingis, so they're gonna put a, a Robert Covington on Porzingis. This is where you want to see KP go out and drop another 30, 35 ball and and say, hey, let let's you know let me lead this game. And uh, so that's what I'm looking at in that game. I want to see if it's a KP like game. Even though he had that 35 points against Houston without Luca, he can he can do that with Luca. And I mean, anytime Luca and Harden can go head to head, that's always must see basketball. Yeah, for sure. In that game, Dallas did kind of go unconventional offense. A lot of KP stuff around the basket, even some post-ups. But again, that was no Luca. So their their point of attack that game was like Berea. Uh, that was Brunson. I I believe Brunson. Yeah, Brunson had not gotten hurt at that point. Delon Wright. You know, so they had kind of point guard by committee that game. With Luca, I'm not sure that you would want to post up KP as much, but we'll see. I mean, that's something that could bear itself out in a playoff series. There's a there's a good chance these teams could meet in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, this and, season. and this game isn't a bullbine game. Like somebody. You know, we look at that bullpen type of approach for the bigs. You know, you can see Boban against a uh, a Nurkic if Nurkic plays from Portland, but or even Whiteside. I mean, yeah, against Whiteside. But then when you see like Houston, Boban's probably not going to play in this game. So that's the you're going to see. You know, probably probably Maxi, I guess, get some backup five minutes. But you could possibly see Dorian get some five minutes. You know, in this game, it's spot minutes there, and and Dallas goes small to match Houston. there's going to be a lot of three-pointers shot in this game. So Yeah, yeah. well, in that game, too, was played, I, I believe Willie Cauley-Stein had been on the Mavs already by then, maybe for, like, a couple games. I mean, it was, like, really early in his tenure. Um, I, I'm, I know that he had made his debut by that point, but it might have been, like, the game before. Um, and then also that was before MKG, too. And those two guys kind of figured to be able to play I mean, MKG certainly against Houston, but even Collie Stein in a, in a max out small ball situation because he can cover so much ground and he's kind of an agile big too in the, in the same way that KP is. So uh, it would be really interesting, really interesting tactical struggle. Um, next up, 
Utah. And now very much uh, kind of like the Mavs with uh, Jalen Brunson, who's out for the season, as Rick Carlisle confirmed, uh, with that labrum surgery. Utah is going to be at, without one of their main players, arguably their, you know, one of their most important players, Bojan Bogdanovich. Uh, he had a surgery and will miss uh, the restart as well. He'll be back for the start of the regular season in whenever it is, November or whatever. Uh, but Utah missing him, man, is huge because, um, you know, they still got Donovan Mitchell, obviously, and Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley. I mean, they still have some players. But Bojan, in the in the games when the Mavs and the Jazz played, now that's only two or three games, all of them were very good, very competitive games. But Bojan was huge in all of those games. His performance really kind of swung – uh, Utah's win uh, in Utah. This was in what February? Uh, man, it might have been in January. Dallas went to Utah, and it came down to like the last shot of the game. And I think Bojan hit, might have even hit it to win, or Mitchell maybe hit the three to win. Um, but Bojan is very big, man. He's he's a great player, and uh, so them missing him is going to be big. It means more minutes for Royce O'Neal. Uh, but just generally, I mean. Gobert, Mitchell, Conley, they got a lot of star power. And even though Gobert and Mitchell are kind of younger guys, they've been in the playoffs a couple times already. And so they kind of have the experience too. But again, Utah currently, um, Houston is one and a half games up on Dallas. Utah is two and a half games up on Dallas. And so for Dallas to pass the Rockets or the Thunder, they'd have to win two more games. For Dallas to pass Utah, they'd have to win three more games. Obviously, that means that this would be like a must-win, total must-win situation for Dallas uh, against the Jazz. Yeah, both these games, Houston, Utah, back-to-back, you, you have to have these wins right here to have a chance of moving past them. And, yeah, I mean, I look at the Utah thing. I, I love seeing the Gobert-Porzingis matchup, just the differences of these two guys at the center position and rebounding in the paint compared to this, you know, stretch five type of play of Porzingis. But I do want to see what they do with their lineup because they love bringing Jordan Clarkson off the bench. Uh, you know, they they experimented with bringing Joe Ingles off the bench. Do they – you know, do they start Joe Ingles with Royce O'Neal, with Mitchell Conley and, and Gobert? Do they keep bringing Conley off the bench? So I, I want to see what they do without Bogdanovich. I mean, yeah, he was a huge part of their team. So it's going to be a tough game. And, I mean, this is you go back to, to the beginning of all of the uh, everything that happened in the NBA, Utah was at the center of that. And a lot of you know reports, everything coming out of Utah – how will their team chemistry be? How will how will they play as a team in Orlando? Uh, that's something to monitor too. Yeah, well, in Utah again is another team, uh, twenty-one and ten at home this year, twenty and thirteen on the road, which is, I would say, uncharacteristic. That's just speculation, but I would say generally they're they're you know historically a much better team at home. I'm, I'm going to go back to last season for example, fifty and thirty-two. They were twenty-nine and twelve. At home, 21 and 20 on the road. And now winning on the road, having a plus record on the road is very good. But whenever you're not at altitude, that that arena gets super loud, man. Those fans get jacked up there. Um, that's another kind of factor at play. And, and you know, maybe that's unfairly targeting uh, kind of the, the mountainy teams, you know, Utah, Portland, Denver. But, I mean, until they can prove it to not be true, it's going to be something that people are thinking about or that I, at least I'm thinking about know about you i thought you were gonna say that those fans get jazzed up there and i was ah i missed an opportunity i was just gonna close the pod and i was like all right i'm out oh my god (laughs) i had the perfect chance to go for a music related joke but i just fell flat it was there oh my god that was the music related joke isaac i fell flat 
like a note, like a B flat. Okay, moving on. Uh, gonna skip ahead a few bars, and uh, we're gonna get to the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, as things stand, again, this is the Mavs' eighth game, uh, and if they do play the next eight games on their schedule against Orlando teams, it would be against Milwaukee. Now that could change. It could be Memphis, Brooklyn, Houston, Denver, or OKC. Um, I doubt it would be Houston again. I don't know why the league would make them play twice. Who knows? Uh, if it is Milwaukee, now Milwaukee is incredible. Uh, Milwaukee is a team that I believe had the season continued as normal. Yeah, they have 12 wins. So had they run the table, they would have had a shot at 70 wins. But that's really all that is kind of like motivating them at this point. Um, now, of course, that there is no home court advantage in the finals, per se, unless you literally just want to play on your court. Apparently, you can get your court delivered to uh, Orlando for the playoffs. As it stands, Milwaukee was only two or three games ahead of L.A. in the standings overall, and so that last game could matter for that, for game seven of the finals. Uh, but they're six and a half games up on Toronto, and of course, with only eight games to play, that would mean that Toronto would have to win seven more games than Milwaukee in that eight-game restart. And so the odds of that game mattering at all whatsoever for Milwaukee in the standings, very, very slim. Um, so, you know, if things carry out the way that they're expected to, which is that Milwaukee doesn't go 0-7 to start the Orlando, uh, you know, miniseason, then the stakes for them will be very low. We don't know what the stakes will be like for the Mavs, but that is kind of a, a positive break for Dallas. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I don't know what Milwaukee's going to do for any of these eight games. You know, they come out and win, win their first two games. What do they do with the next six? Are they going to, you know, set some people? Or they... Some of them, right? I mean, like. Yeah. I would think because, you know, it's such a short thing. You got to get in rhythm. But I would think the last game. I don't know if the last game would matter. I, know. I, I, I don't know. Or we maybe it's preseason where you only play them half the game or something. Like, you want these guys to get their wind back, but, like, do you really want to play Giannis 40 minutes? I know. It's like one of those things where for so long we've always talked about rest and how we can get players more rest and setting out games and all this. Now we're at the point of there's too much rest and coming out of, you know, this long extended break and how will teams treat that, you know, with these eight regular season games. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think this Milwaukee team, besides having to play – you know, or getting to play a team like Phoenix or one of these bubble teams who could already been, you know, eliminated. Uh, obviously, it would be an ideal to play one of those teams your eighth game. But if you had to pick an, the other way, it would be one of the, you know, top seeds, the Lakers or the Bucks that you would want to play if it's not one of those teams. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a, an ideal game for Dallas because they this game could literally decide whether Dallas lands at five or six or wherever it is. And you could play a Milwaukee team that could be playing, you know, DJ Wilson 45 minutes. So, and we just have no way of knowing what the stakes are. We have no way of knowing if they'll even play that game. It could yeah. be a different opponent. We have no idea. I mean, this is, it's purely speculation, but the one, one thing is almost guaranteed. And that is that whoever plays Milwaukee eighth is not going to most likely not going to play the typical rotation that the Milwaukee Bucks roll out for a, a regular season game. So, you know, we'll see. But um, the other thing that is for sure, again, you know, kind of resetting here and going back to the standings, Dallas is seven games ahead of Memphis right now in the standings. And so the Mavs have not technically clinched a playoff spot yet. 
Their magic number to clinch a playoff spot is two. They need two wins or two Grizzlies losses, and that will lock it up. Um, can you can you explain? You did this really well on uh, Twitter maybe last week, but can you explain how the NBA would go by percentages uh, in regards to people having different schedules and stuff? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this especially would have mattered had the league not done a reset and had the league gone for seeding one through 16. Um, because the Mavs have played 67 games, like a team like Denver, for example, is probably the best example of this. Denver's played 65 games. Uh, they're 43 and 22. The Mavs are 40 and 27. And so Dallas is four games back of Denver. Now let's just say, for example, Denver goes four and four and the Mavs go eight and zero. Denver would be 47 and 26. The Mavs would be 48 and 27. So the Mavs would technically have more wins, but Denver would have a higher win percentage. So even though Dallas would be tied with Denver in the standings, Denver would have won a higher percentage of their games by virtue of simply playing two games fewer than Dallas. So even though they have one fewer win, they also have one fewer loss, which uh, positively impacts their win percentage. And so they would finish ahead of Dallas in the standings. And so basically, because Dallas has played an odd number of games, they played 67. Any other team that has played an odd number of games as of today, that includes Memphis in eighth place at 32 and 33, uh, Dallas would finish beneath them in the standings if they tied. And so Dallas right now is seven games ahead of Memphis. If Dallas goes 0 and 8 and Memphis goes 7 and 1, Memphis would be the number seven seed and Dallas would be the number eight seed because of the win percentage thing. And so uh, basically it's almost impossible for Dallas to finish tied with anybody in the standings and it'd be an advantageous situation for the Mavs because the two teams directly ahead of them in the standings and even the third team in Utah, Utah, OKC and Houston have all played 64 games. Memphis has played 65 games. No other team in the West has played the same number of games as the Mavs. And in fact, it's funny no other team in the NBA has played the same number of games as the Mavs this season, except for the Hawks, who have played 67. Dallas has played more games than any other team in the NBA, except for Atlanta, with whom they're tied. And so that is another reason why just going straight into the playoffs would have been like a, considered a disadvantage to the Mavs, because they've played more games. They've had more opportunities to lose. Now, of course, they've had more opportunities to win. Like Isaac, if they would have beaten the Knicks one of those times, then none of this would have even mattered. But again, you don't get to control the past. All that you can control is the present and the future, right? And so um, obviously they would lobby to get the chance to play more games to kind of right those wrongs. And this would be an example of a case where they could kind of right those wrongs. You have, if again, if this is the situation, four of your eight games are against teams that are currently not in the playoffs. And a fifth, that game against Milwaukee, is probably not going to be against a team rolling out its best lineup for the whole game now there's a chance that they would there's a chance they'll take them all seriously to try and get people in game shape but there's a chance they won't so as schedules go this is about as friendly as it could get for the yeah. Mavs. i would contend but um you know anything is possible uh that's why they play the games and that's why we just speculate about them uh, but i mean this is a it's going to be an experimental thing uh, but, you know, the, the the road is paved for Dallas to put itself in a position to move up, which is, of course, what everybody who's a Mavs fan would want because you want to avoid the Clippers. And in doing so, if you can get up to number six, 
sure, if you win, you would play the Clippers in the next round, but it would mean you wouldn't have to worry about the Lakers until the final, the conference finals. And so there's like, there's, there's a clear benefits to moving up. And uh, as you know, even if you move up to four or five, you get to avoid the Clippers, you have to play the Lakers, but sure. I mean, like I would rather play the Lakers than the Clippers, I think, but um, you know, they have a chance at least with these eight games, if it, if it plays out the way that, you know, it's rumored to, they have a chance to move up. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger picture looking at this, I mean, four out of these eight games, if they follow this schedule is against the bubble teams, you know? And so I think that right there is something that you have to be in favor of. And you're, you're avoiding all of the cluster in the Eastern conference too. I mean, you look at teams uh, like Toronto and Boston, they're going to be kind of, you know, aren't you're arguing going back and forth, trying to get the, you know, the two seed and two and three seeds, Miami, Indiana, Philadelphia, they're all fighting there in the Eastern too. So like you're avoiding all of those teams. You only have to play Houston and Utah, you know, once in this, and you get this Milwaukee game at the end that could be, you know, an easier game than the others because they might not be playing everybody. So uh, I think if they do follow the schedule, you, you should be excited for this as a Mavs fan. Yep. Now there's a chance they don't. There's a chance other things happen. But one thing I think that I can say with a fair amount of certainty is that they will not play a single game against any team that they've already played, like that they've already maxed out against this season. So like they've played the Lakers four times. They've played the Raptors twice, the Celtics twice, the Heat twice. They're done with the Pacers. They're done with the Sixers. They're done with the Magic. And so like all the teams that they're done against, there's just no like New Orleans – um, I think San Antonio, they're done with San Antonio too. So there's just no way that they would play any of those teams because th- you're just, you're doing things that are out of the norm. Uh, so I think their only possible games would be basically against the teams that we've already talked about. You know, again, the only other teams that we mentioned that they could play are Memphis, Brooklyn, and I believe Denver. They had one more game against Denver and OKC. And so if, if they play any of those teams, then I guess that could slightly change things. But um I don't know. I think the road is paved for them to take advantage of the situation if they can. It really just kind of comes down to them and and how they come out of the gates. I mean, we can't just assume that every other team will be rusty and the Mavs will just be fine. You know, I mean, even though the Mavs are relatively young, you know, Luca and KP, you figure they should come out hot. You know, they got they got guys that might not. You know, they, they might need to play themselves into rhythm a little bit too, especially for a team that relies so much on its offense and on flow and things like that. You know, it might take a while to recapture some of that magic, but we'll see. There's really no way of knowing. Uh, we just gotta, we just gotta see once the games begin, and hopefully, it won't be too much longer. I guess uh, that stuff will start here in the next couple weeks, give or take. I don't, I don't think I've ever looked forward to uh, a Dallas Phoenix game more than more than this game. So uh, I think we're all ready for some basketball. We got that date, July 31st slash July 30th slash question mark question mark question mark we all have it circled on our calendar yeah i mean july 30th is my my son's second birthday and i'm sorry his birthday party is gonna have to just be off to the side because it's phoenix versus dallas and, yeah uh, so hey, sorry son i'm jazzed up. i'm 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 hot for that game i'm hot for that game um, there any other, uh, there anything else you want to say? Any, uh, any, any souls you want to claim before we get out of here? Not, not really. I mean, we are what the, I think this is the second anniversary you're listening to this on the 22nd, probably on Monday, the 22nd. And that is the two year anniversary of Luca and Jalen's press conference. 
uh, in the AAC. So, uh, yeah, if you have some free time today, just go back and look at, you know, Twitter or pictures or anything from that day two years ago as we all welcomed uh, Luca and Jalen to Dallas, a day that changed the course of franchise history. And most importantly, the day that Luca admitted to me that he's looking forward to trying Whataburger. That was a huge victory for myself, and I'm privileged, first off. I'm very lucky and very happy, very proud, but I am privileged to be the humble reporter who was able to break that story. That was one of the highlights of my career. And so uh, to Luca, I just want to say thank you for trusting me with that information. Uh, Jalen didn't really give me any, like, breaking stuff. Uh, he did say that it was very cool to win multiple national championships in college, which is very unique insight that only I can get out of these players. But, uh, but yeah, I also asked Jalen that day. I remember from that press conference and, you know, whatever. Everybody knows how the Dennis thing ended in Dallas. But um, at that press conference, the question I asked Jalen was, look, they just drafted you to play point guard. And uh, Dennis was like sitting right next to me or something. I was like, you're going to be competing with this guy for minutes. I mean, like, does that make you – how does that make you feel? And he was like, yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. I look forward to the competition. And within a couple months, I mean, he was kind of the last guy standing. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. It was, it's, it's a very kind of interesting, uh, it's an, it's an interesting trip down memory lane because not only was Dennis there, HB was there, you know, I mean, a lot of the guys on that team are not here anymore that were there. It's, it's remarkable how quickly everything turned over. Uh, but, you know, obviously for the better. Yeah, and here's the 20 more years. Let's do it, man. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, Isaac, I appreciate you joining me, man. Thank you, and uh, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a, uh, a nice review or subscribe or like or retweet on Twitter or post on Facebook or share on Instagram or do uh, whatever you do. Make a video of you dancing to our podcast on TikTok and tag Isaac in it because he's big on TikTok, uh, and we'll see it. It would be great. Uh, who are some of the teams that maybe you're afraid of playing? Maybe that we've talked about, like which, which of those games like, yeah, I don't know, maybe not that one. Uh, who's an opponent that you're really looking forward to playing uh, or that you would like to play? Um, let us know. Let's talk about it. Who are some of the players you think, you know, that give the Mavs troubles? Who are some of the players you think the Mavs have had success against? Some of the teams that the Mavs have had success against? Let us know. Talk a little crap. That's what basketball fandom is all about. It's about putting other people down and making you and, uh, and your own team feel good. So let's engage in some of that debate and uh, talk about some sports this week. He's Isaac L. Harris on Twitter. He's Isaac Harris in real life. I'm Bobby Corella, both on Twitter and in real life. Um, my middle name does not matter. Uh, hit us up. Talk to us. And in the meantime, uh, keep listening to our podcast. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for more Mavs Flame. See you.